Welcome to episode 290 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. We're back from Ireland. I had the most amazing trip with Brenda, my lovely, lovely wife. She is my Galway girl, which is why we have that little intro song. And and just just to be clear, all of the pinball machines in the world, all of the wizard modes in the world, you could give me every single pinball machine imaginable, and I wouldn't trade Brenda for that entire collection. She is the most amazing thing in my life, and I'm so happy uh, that I get to go on the journey with her. And she also tolerates this pinball podcast. She doesn't tolerate it. She actually encourages it. I think I hear that a lot from people where they have to sort of convince their wives or their girlfriends to sort of let them be in this hobby. Uh, I get actual encouragement, which is awesome. So she's super happy that we do this podcast and that you guys listen to the show. So here's what we're going to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. We're going to do our news. We're going to talk about what's going on in the hobby. Uh, but before I do that, I, I want to talk a little bit about myself as if I, I never do that. But something else happened while I was over in Ireland. I was in Ireland for a wedding. One of my marketing campaigns went live, right? went out into the world. And this had been a campaign I'd been trying to sell in for almost a year. And I finally got my client to pull the trigger. Everybody was anxious. Everyone was nervous. Now, keep in mind, this is a brand that probably had one or two earned media stories last year in total, in total. Uh, we also had a lot of skepticism from the other agency partners on whether or not this idea would actually work. Uh, but this is what I do for a living. For, for when I'm not pinball podcasting, I'm trying to help major brands do stuff that get people talking about the brand. You know, because I, I sort of do humbly brag on this show that I know a thing or two about marketing and how to get conversation going, and yet no pinball manufacturers ever listen to me. Um, but let me play this clip of my latest campaign that you might have seen over the last week in America. One simple rule, no smartphone for a year. In return, Vitamin Water says it will pay someone $100,000. No weather on the fly, no Uber, no instant posts of food, places, or that incredibly cool person you just bumped into. And for anyone thinking of pulling a fast one, we looked at the fine print. At the end of the year, there's actually a lie detector test. The company bills the contest as a way to discover scroll-free life solutions. I would love it if Jared over at Stern would take this challenge and stop using his smartphone every 30 seconds to post images on Facebook every five seconds of his life. I would love it. But the thing is this, I know Jarrett makes more than $100,000 a year uh, using social media, so he, it's not worth it to him. But that was the simple idea that we live in a world where too many people are addicted to their cell phones and we should break the monotony of cell phone usage and offer someone a challenge to go a full year. So excited to see all the press. Oh, and by the way, I think that story got something like 2,000 media stories written about it and over a billion impressions and 100 plus million social media mentions for the brand, Vitamin Water. Okay, super excited. I was so excited to see that pop. Let's get on the pinball because I know that's why you guys listen. So speaking of pinball, I want to just tie up a little bit of a loose end. I don't know if you were following last week that um, that Pinside thread, Do You Listen to Pinball Podcast? It was an interesting moment in that thread because uh, while I was traveling, 
I saw that the post was actually or the thread was deleted by pinside moderators. All right. So at one moment, there was a couple pages in which people were saying how much they love Canada's Pinball Podcast, and they were saying my name freely, almost boasting, right? Challenging the moderators on whether or not they would do something. And then all of a sudden, the thread was deleted and you couldn't post anymore and it was locked. And there was a lot of people pissed off about that. And then all of a sudden, Robin chimes in and says, well, wait a minute. Not exactly sure what went on here. I'm going to take a look at the situation. And then a few hours later, the thread was unlocked and people's comments about me were restored. And Robin clarified for the community that you are allowed to mention Canada's Pinball Podcast in certain contexts. I don't think you can just out rightly promote the show um, but he basically said I think he restored people's ability to say my name on Pinside uh, but he also clarified for everyone that Canada will never be allowed back onto the site so I will never be a registered member of Pinside ever again and here's the thing I'm okay with that I think it's fun that people can finally say my name on Pinside again because I think it it was getting really silly at a certain point, right, where they were aggregating all the pinball podcasts that were out there in the world. And the one that people couldn't mention was the one that won the award for best pinball podcast last year. So speaking of pinball podcast, um, I want to congratulate a new pinball podcast that is now out in the world. Um, my friend Chris just uh, went live with it, I believe last week. I think episode number three is going to be up this week. Um, hold on, I'm just getting uh, this. It's the Slap Save Pinball Podcast. Um, if, if you have a chance, check it out. Chris and Jason are hosting a new pinball podcast. I know what you're saying. Do we need another pinball podcast? But what I like about their show, uh, it's about a half hour long. And they have good banter back and forth. Uh, it is always interesting when you hear people uh, articulate and announce their new pinball podcast and how they're going to do it differently. And we're not going to hold punches and we're going to speak uh, from, you know, from our hearts and our minds and our guts. And we're not going to be, uh, you know, shills for manufacturers. And, and, and I appreciate that. I, 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 if I could give any advice to a new pinball podcast out there, it'd be very simply this. Do the show that you want to do. Do the show that you will enjoy making. Don't worry what anyone else thinks. Don't do your show to be better than someone else's show or to put other shows down, right? Just you, you should do the show you want to do. And that's always been my philosophy on this show. And now I think I'm not going to name names, but if you read the, the Pinside Pinball Podcast thread, there is really only one other pinball podcast out there that was really being negative towards this show that you listen to and got really salty and got really angry and, and is really just, I feel like they do their show just to like beat me. And I think because of that, they're probably pretty burnt out. And I'm sad to report to you guys that some guy that used to be my good friend is now no longer talking to me simply because of that thread. And it's, it's weird to me. It's weird to me. I think we should appreciate and champion all of the pinball podcasts that are out there because at the end of the day, I keep saying that phrase, right? Uh, at, at the end of the day, no one gets paid. No one makes money. We're all doing this for your entertainment. All right, so 
That being said, I'm happy that pinside moderators have, have loosened up. And it's never really Robin. It's really the moderators. There's just a couple of them that are sticking the muds. But I'm glad that the thread is back out there. You can say my name. Now, speaking of saying my name, let's talk about pinball news. All right. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about Predator Pinball. I want to start with an unlikely game that we haven't heard a lot of about in a long time. So, as you know, the Predator Pinball machine never made it out. I think Kevin only made four machines before his company went defunct, before he found himself in court, in the court of law. Uh, at the end of the whole trial, I don't think Kevin's going to end up paying anyone a dime. I think only the lawyers will see anything. But way before the whole collapse happened, an individual was able to get a Predator pinball machine from Kevin, and that was Mr. Tim Fife. Now, Tim bought one of the initial games off of Kevin at the very beginning. So he didn't steal someone's game. He, you know, he, he's, he's not to blame for why you lost your money. Kevin Kulik is the only one who's at fault here. Now, I'd been talking to Tim because he was looking to sell his Predator pinball machine, and I actually think Tim is going to be a guest of the show soon, to talk about that experience and what it was like owning Predator, because I'm just curious even just what owning that game long-term was like, because as we know, nobody has owned that game. But Predator Pinball sold this week, and it's really interesting, because we talk a lot about these rare games that aren't available very often. I want to talk about this sale. So here's what he got for the Predator Pinball machine. He did a straight-up trade, no cash, straight-up. He traded Predator Pinball for a Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition, all right, which is a $12,500 machine. All right, so it's a little bit of an interesting trade. Here's why. Because Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition is not even for sale yet. Or I mean, sorry, it's not shipping yet. So it is for sale, but nobody has one, right? No customer has one. Only distributors have them available for sale. So it's a kind of a weird trade. All right, here's the other reason why I think it's a weird sort of trade. You can still go buy a Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition today. Like they're still available for sale. Distributors have allocations of those games coming in. So do you think that Tim made a good sale getting rid of Predator for Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition. Here's my opinion on this. I think that Tim probably left money on the table, and I want to explain why. All right, a few things. $12,500, is that what we think Predator Pinball Machine is worth? Now, here's the thing. It's really hard to tell because not one other Predator Pinball Machine has ever gone up for sale. We know people love the theme, but we also know the game is pretty much a crappy game. It's not a great pinball experience. People have played it at shows. The, the, the whole like black light never really worked. The, the design of the game was never stellar. It wasn't a great game. The artwork is not that great. It really was like a mediocre gameplay experience. But people love the Predator theme tremendously. And also on top of that, it's Predator. Right, so you're, you've got like, you've got like a theme that people love, and it's also just really rare. So you you would own a one of four Predator pinball machines, and I think the most valuable thing uh, that would add value to the game is just the story around it. I get it. Some people are like, well, it's a negative story. It doesn't matter. 
if someone comes over your house and looks at your collection and you want to tell them an interesting pinball story, you are going to spend a few minutes in front of that predator and have a story to tell. Are you going to have a similar story to tell when you're standing in front of Guardians of the Galaxy or Deadpool or Dialed In or Wizard of Oz? Absolutely not. This, this game has a story. It's not a great story, but it's a story nonetheless. So I think the biggest, I don't know, the biggest question mark for me is this. Why wouldn't you sell a game like Predator Pinball? Why wouldn't you just throw it up on eBay? Why wouldn't you give more people an opportunity to try and get it to actually see what the market value is, right? Because eBay would tell you what the demand for the pinball machine is. When you just do a a private sale uh, behind closed doors, you're only dealing with one person. And I always think when you sell a rare machine, I I really do think that's, that's like such a silly way uh, to get the most out of it. Now, if I'm Tim, I'm probably thinking about one thing that whenever you talk about owning Predator, an angry mob led by Hilton will appear at your door and and do terrible things and say terrible things about you to try and disrupt your sale, right? And we saw that in the Predator thread to begin with. I mean, there was a lot of witch hunting going on against him for having this game. But I'll say this, when he sold the game, he also has the paperwork that validates the sale legally So you can own this game without ever having it repossessed uh, by whatever happens in the Kevin Kulik uh, court, all right? So the bottom line is this. I wouldn't have traded it for Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition. Here's another reason why I wouldn't have done that. Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition, the price of that game will only head south. It's not going to be a game that's ever going to increase in value. In fact, there was only 150 dialed in collector's editions made, and now those are selling for $9,500. So those games have already lost $3,000 in value. And so if you trade Predator for a Pirates collector's edition, I think your Pirates is is gonna start to lose value immediately, whereas the Predator, being the rare game it is, and the theme that it is, and the story that it has, I think that game holds value nicely and might even go up in value, okay? So I think it, I don't think it's a great trade. Um, he wanted to trade me for Batman Super LE, $15,000. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't replace Batman with Predator. I also, look, it, it kind of burns me a little bit because part of me just wanted to own Predator to, to just annoy Hilton to no end. Imagine if Kaneda was in possession of Predator, the game that he shilled for all those years, and he doesn't have one, but I had one. You know what? But I'm a nice guy. I didn't want to do that. It's not worth owning it just to get back at that guy, right? All right. So that's what's happening. I hope Tim comes on the show to talk about it. All right. Today is the day that Richie Wrench is finally going to get his Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition. I've been following the thread. For those of you who don't know, Richie Wrench is a successful plumber who is absolutely obsessed with every single collector's edition that that Jersey Jack makes. He's also always tortured by each collector's edition because the coin door is never 
powder coat it the same color as the armor. And that's all he's ever asked for. And it's funny to me because Jack has like one dude in the world who actually values these collector's editions and he won't make the one piece of feedback he gets from that guy and powder coat the coin door. But here's the thing. I'm happy, Richie, you're getting your game. I'm happy that all of you guys are finally getting your Pirates of the Caribbean LEs. The games are shipping to people, and you're getting your games before the holidays, which has got to be pretty sweet. It's always a nice feeling to get your game before Christmas, to be able to set it up. And that's what pinball is all about. Like, we can debate back and forth this or that, but everyone who bought a Pirates of the Caribbean who wants one will eventually get one and and enjoy it or not enjoy it. But I think at this point, you know, for the most part, uh, it sounds like people are enjoying their games when they are working. I think the game still has a lot of mechanical or quality control issues that people are sorting through. So we hope that Jersey Jack sorts all those things out. Now, a question I have, though, about the collector's edition is real simple is why haven't the collector's editions of Pirates of the Caribbean sold out if this is such a great game, right? Why, why can't Jack sell 250 of this game in this, you know, in, in this completely different art package with cabinet and the amazing topper and all the other stuff that the collector's edition comes with? Why, why, why are they still available for sale? And, and I think we know the answer why. I think the game is not as great as the owners would have you believe. I think it's good. I think it's good. But I think it's not even about like the gameplay. I just think the way this game was launched is the reason why this game is not selling out of its collector's editions. If you go back a year ago when this game was first revealed, all of those collector's editions would have sold out immediately within a month if the collector's editions were shipping to consumers within two months. See, Stern does that geniusly. The Ellie's of Munsters will sell out before people even play the game. And that is the greatest marketing trick Stern has in its book, all right? All right, what else is going on? So let's talk a little bit about that. So Stern Pinball, let's jump to them. The Munsters is on the line. This is funny. If you go to This Week in Pinball, there is a photo of, of Primus Pinball Machine on the line. And in the background of that photo, there is a Munsters Pro being assembled. You can see it in the photo. Just go to This Week in Pinball. It is hysterical that Stern just continues to do these weird things. Maybe it's there on purpose. Maybe they didn't notice that. Uh, but I love the fact that we now have absolute confirmation that Munster's pinball is on the line. And I think we're going to get Munster's revealed to us this week. I think this is going to be the week, all right? All right, so speaking of Primus pinball on the line, uh, they're making 100 of them. Now, look. Primus is, is a game that when we were introduced to it, there was all this uproar on Pinside around Primus. But Primus has now become the incredibly shrinking, nobody gives a shit about pinball machine. I don't hear anybody talking about it. They're only making 100. Uh, they've already announced them. It's been on Primus's website now for a few weeks. And there are still lots of games available to buy. 
And, and I think this is an interesting one because they're only making 100 of them. And clearly, I think clearly they got the demand for this wrong. And I want to explain why. I think there is a little bit of ignorance to people who are very close to pinball all the time. There's an ignorance that uh, these people sometimes think that the demand will be there if a pinball version of a theme is put out in the world. Okay, so they're, they're thinking, well, Primus fans who love the band, who love to collect Primus merchandise, those fans will gobble up 100 pinball machines if made available. The problem is this. I think pinball people don't understand how little people care about pinball when you're outside of the pinball hobby. People don't wake up and all of a sudden want to buy a $7,500 pinball machine, okay? They don't. It, it's just not in most people's wish list. They don't demand these things. And I think pinball people think that if you just build it, the, the, the buyers will appear. I think Beatles is another good example of that where will they sell out all 1,964 Beatles machines uh, and the Beatle fan base is, is like a, a trillion times larger than the Primus fan base. But again, I do think there's this um, misreading of the demand and the desire for, for casual people who are fans of things to also want to put an expensive pinball machine in their house. Now, I, I think Primus is probably going to be stuck with a few of these machines for a while. I also think it shows that art's not enough. You know, we, 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 we heard the story from Jeremy Packer, the, the miracle it was that they made this game, and if everyone knew what they had to go through to make this game and, and to get it done, who gives a shit? Like, I, you know, it's like, okay, the art looks great, Jeremy. There's great art on a lot of pinball now, but is it a great pinball game? And, 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 and this attitude of like, well, it doesn't matter if it's not a great pinball game. It's not a great pinball game. This pinball game that has been now reskinned for the third time is mediocre at best. It's not even, this is like a C title that Stern just keeps slapping different properties on top of. Nobody who likes pinball wants to own this actual pinball game, right? Okay, so you have that. So you remove everyone who actually likes the who who likes or demands a good gameplay experience. You remove them from your consideration set. And so now I just have what is basically a $7500 Primus like poster that Jeremy made that you can play pinball on top of, right? And and it is and that's not good enough for most people. It's not slamming the art. The artwork's phenomenal. Like before he jumps in and gets mad Art looks great, Jeremy. But to make a pinball machine worth it, I think it has to also be a pretty decent pinball experience, right? And here's the thing too, is Sea Witch is a great game. Sea Witch is a great game. So making Beatles on top of Sea Witch is still much, much better than making Beatles on top of Whoa Nelly. Or, you know, it just is. It just, it's such a shitty game to keep recycling. And I think the jig is up and people just don't want to see that platform and that design used ever again in a pinball machine. 
All right? All right. What else is going on? Let's talk. Let's talk pinball news, people. So I've been jumping around a little bit. So Stern Beatles. Stern Beatles. The, here, here's the thing about Stern Beatles is people are finally getting their game. The games, and I'm, I, I say finally, like they haven't waited very long. People are getting their Beatles pinball machines and people are enjoying them. I keep hearing this. There's one idiotic topic that I keep hearing when it comes to the Beatles. And, and it's being driven by probably the biggest fool on pin side, but it's not surprising. Here's a question that I don't know why anybody is even asking, and that is, how much is the Beatles pinball machine earning on location? Like, what, what do you, like, why is this being discussed? Like, as if a game's ability to earn on location is an indicator of how good the game is or how successful the game is from a marketing standpoint. And that question, of course, is always being driven by Hilton, the pinball operator that knows everything. Let me tell you this. This game is a collectible. It's not meant to go on location. I don't even think it was meant to have coin doors. I think Stern put it in there maybe at the end uh, because people pressured them. But I, this game from the ground up was designed to be a collectible that went into your home. It's not meant to go on location and get beat up and abused and destroyed and, and to earn money on location for people. Uh, because these are expensive games, right? Like very expensive games. The base level is $8,000, then it goes up to $12,500 all the way up to $25,000. Do I think it's idiotic that there's a diamond edition inside Sunshine Laundromat in Brooklyn? Absolutely. Why would you put what is ostensibly supposed to be a collectible, you know, destined to be in a pinball museum one day game out on, sorry, on location for people to beat on. The same thing with Al's Batman Super Ali at Pioneer Bar. Cool. The game looks like shit now. It's been beat to shit. To shit. He could have just had a regular Batman premium and, and earned just as much money. You know, because the special editions are only meant for the collectors. They don't do anything additional to get people to put dollars in. No one's like, well, I'm playing, I'm playing the diamond right now because it's the same fucking game as the gold. So why, why would you beat on a $17,000 more expensive machine when you're still going to get the same level of attractiveness with the gold? It's so idiotic. It makes no sense. But also the fact that we're having this conversation means that it's it's so silly that people can't see what this game for what it is it's a collectible machine it's not meant to go on location if you want to route it cool uh i i i don't know why you would i would just there's so many you, you a star wars pro will probably get more people to pump quarters in and dollars in than a beatles gold i think the only thing going for beatles is the simplicity of the game and I do think they're going to probably end up selling all of these machines eventually, all 1,964, simply because of that factor, that it's a Beatles game, that's a theme people are attracted to, but it's also very simple to understand. And say what you will, majority of people who walk into a distributor and want to buy a few games for their house or their home and then maybe their wife is with them and their kids are with them, they're going to have a really hard time getting into most pinball machines. And I think the simplicity of Beatles, it breaks up the monotony of games that are at a, you know, a barcade. I think for that reason alone, people are going to play it. I also hear the ball times aren't super long, which is also nice that, that you're not sitting there watching Levy play fucking you know, a stern game for a half hour. Ever go to a league night? 
and watch these guys play a typical Stern machine and they have like 20 minute ball times, how fucking boring that is. All right. All right. So Beatles is getting to people. What else? Anything else going on at Stern? I think, you know, the other thing about this is we know Munsters is coming. I also just want to say that we all probably missed out on just congratulating Stern on all of the recent code updates that have happened. I mean, this company who was slammed for so long for giving people incomplete games has hired an army of people to work on code. And we've received code on Metallica, on Kiss, on Batman. There's been new code on Guardians. Uh, They are really, really working on getting you guys code updates on a more frequent basis. Now, I think the one outstanding code update update that everyone's waiting for is Ghostbusters, and I think we will see that sometime in early 2019. All right, a few things here too. For Iron Maiden fans, you guys have also had code updates. Iron Maiden toppers are now available. If you go to Stern's new website, you can see the Iron Maiden topper. There's one for the LE and there's one for the Premium and the Pro. So thank God we finally get this topper available. I I have a question about toppers for you guys. Why is there such a delay between game coming out and topper availability? This baffles me. The marketer in me is baffled by this because I would assume that a lot of people out there would order these when they get their game. And when you're getting a brand new game, I always think that's the window by which you would love to order all of the different mods and bells and whistles to go with it because it's really fun to unbox a pinball machine and then dress it up with all the fun different mods that are available for it. And that window uh, where you'll spend the most on that machine is normally when you first get it, you're the most excited. So why is Iron Maiden Topper only now available? Like, didn't we see Iron Maiden Pinball, wasn't it released, I want to say, at least like six to eight months ago? And now the topper is available? The the biggest sort of like, I can't figure this one out is, where's the Star Wars topper? I mean, Star Wars was in development, right? Before we even saw it, Stern was developing Star Wars for two years and they were submitting the, the pinball machine to Disney for approval for two years. We are now 18 months uh, since the game came out, and there's still no Star Wars topper. I, I, explain that to me. Like, what, what, what guy over there who is in charge of toppers uh, has a job still? Like, Stern should just have a topper dude. Because there's a lot of money to be made by just selling these $500 expensive, unnecessary add-ons. And it's crazy to me that they leave all that revenue on the table because they can't figure out how to design a simple little thing to stick on the top of a fucking pinball machine. Seriously. Like, if you can't design a topper in a year or 18 months, how the fuck can you design toys inside the game that are going to wow us? Like, the topper is the fucking easy part. And Stern, time and time again, can't figure fucking toppers out. Now, speaking of toys, there's a thread about Jaws Pinball and how there's a a lot of people have been saying Jaws is the theme that they really, really want. And we've been hearing Jaws for years, right? We've probably been hearing Jaws longer than we've been hearing about 
people thinking there's going to be a Tron or a Lord of the Rings vault edition, which is probably never happening. Jaws would make a great pinball game. I, 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 w- without a doubt, it's a great storyline. It's got great music. It's got great call-outs. The theme of, of, of battling a shark and having to shoot the fucking shark. You know, you shoot the oxygen tank at the end of the movie that blows Jaws up. That's a perfect pinball theme. But there's one big question, and, and Ben Heck raised this on the thread. Do you think Stern Pinball will do Jaws justice? And I heard that Stern acquired the license for Jaws this week. I, they've probably had the pinball license for Jaws for years. And we keep hearing it might be Brian Eddy's first game. So there's a lot of that rumor floating around. But as Ben Heck pointed out, for Jaws to really be the pinball game that it deserves, the shark needs to come up from underneath the water, which means you just can't have a static shark head like the Jurassic Park toy or Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy. There just should not be a Jaws head staring at you, right? Like the Xeno head in Alien. It just shouldn't be there all the time. It needs to come up from underneath the water. Do you think Stern is capable of designing a toy like that and putting it into a modern game? I also think it would be awesome if you had a big shark fin that moved around the play field and you had a bash and you bash it enough times and the shark comes up. How incredible would that be, right? And I think you also need to design it where at the end of the game that the shark mouth doesn't come up with an oxygen tank in its mouth until the very final shot and you get one shot to blow up jaws or your game is over. I, I, I sort of love this, like, at the very end, you get one chance. You know, I always, always loved Lord of the Rings pinball machine because I love the whole destroy the ring uh, where you really do get, like, that, you, you got to hit that shot, and if you drain too bad, like, it's over. Like, you fucked up. You have to start over again. You can't, you can't just start at that exact moment again. Um, but look, I hope they make it. What excites me about 2019 and Stern is this. We, we know barely nothing. So there are a lot of rumored themes. Uh, We don't know what's next from Stern, and that's exciting. One final point on the Stern pinball website, and this is funny. So if you go on the site, there is a gentleman who's in almost every single photograph wearing Stern apparel, and that is Mr. Jack Danger, looking oh-so-not-so-dangerous. Jack, man... I, you got, I, I would go down a size in that t-shirt, man. Show off the guns, brother. But here's the thing. I, I'm all for this. Jack's the, one of the best personalities in pinball. His dead flip show on Twitch is probably the best pinball, consistent pinball series that is out there. I mean, the man is dedicating his life to bringing pinball to the masses. But what does this mean that he is now on Stern's page? Like, So Jack is basically a stern employee all right and so that's just an interesting conflict of interest on some level is it not is it not and let me let me, let me use a, a, a argument if if i was a employee of ford motor company could i then go review a dodge product or a chevy product and give you uh, an an objective review of that product. And so that's the little bit of the challenge I think where Jack is at right now is 
he's sort of like a, I, I consider Jack to be more of a media outlet for pinball. Like he's a pinball personality, uh, but he's also deeply, deeply ingrained in the Stern universe. And it makes sense. It makes sense. If you're someone like him and you want to hitch your ride to someone's company in pinball, who are you going to hitch it to that consistently comes out with games that has probably the most dynamic factory and workforce in all of pinball, that has the most pinball personalities out there that tell amazing stories, uh, that year after year deliver four to five new games for you to review and jump on, uh, that ha- that are, are present at shows all over the world. I mean, Storm Pinball is like got 90 plus percent of the pinball market, so it makes sense. It makes sense. In fact, you know, I mean, on some level, on some level, like Stern themselves should be more of a media channel for pinball. And someone like Jack would actually be a really good host uh, of, of that content and, and delivering it to you. But we've said it before on this show. I think the challenge is when you're asked to buy a new pinball machine, the number of pinball personalities out there that don't have a certain allegiance to manufacturers is like slim to none. Everyone's got someone that's their favorite and it's hard not to be that way. You know, it's it's hard, you know. It, and and so I, I think we're we're sort of living in a world where I would love to try to figure out one thing. I would love to try to figure out how to do a site like a Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to try and put this site up, like a Rotten Tomatoes pinball review site where I get 10 to 15 of you out there who I objectively believe would be able to review pinball machines for the pinball experience itself. Now, it would have to be a mixture, right? Because I'd want to have like a few of you be like diehard collectors, a few of you be diehard tournament players, a few of you just be casual players. But I would love to aggregate a score from different types of pinball players to see what the overall consensus is on the game. You know, I read in the Pirates thread where it's always the same thing. In the, in the, in the homeowners thread, it's the greatest machine ever. Whenever someone unboxes their new game, and and that's they're not get, that's not an objective review of the game itself. Uh, but the other thing is this, and we saw this in the Beatles thread: the question of like, well, is this game equal to the price of the machine to the fun factor of the machine? And how do you review that, right? So, okay, so let me, let me give you a very simple example. How do I tell you that Beatles Pinball is $8,000 worth of fun or Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition is $12,500 worth of fun, right? You can't do that. Like there's just, there's just no way. What I've been trying to uh, communicate on this show is I do think you can look at a machine and say, hey, are we getting $8,000 in value? Is there $12,500 in value here? Like, and when you start to go down the value list, I think it's, you can get to a more objective place. Okay, You can start to look at how many toys are in the game. What are the materials used in this pinball machine? You know, does it have full RGB LEDs? How many inserts? How many lights are there? How many toys? How is there a lower playfield? Is there an upper playfield? Is there a topper? Like, what do I get for the money? Value is is a much more interesting conversation uh, to have around a game than to simply do the well. It's fun because on some level, every pinball is fun. And I can't argue with you that you're having fun with your new pinball game. Like I, I would be such an idiot 
if I argued with you about you having fun, but I can argue with you that you might have got ripped off paying that much money for that fun because the value's not there. Does that make sense? I, I hope that makes sense. Okay. All right. Let's talk about something else completely separate from all of this. One of the most hyper users on Pinside has deactivated their account. You know who he is if you read Pinside. The man has posted over 44,000 times to Pinside. And he recently deactivated his account for the second time. So the next time he deactivates his account, he is permanently banned from Pinside. Uh, and that is the Pinside rules, not mine. His name is Odin. O-D-I-N. And he, and you, there's pictures of him on a thread about where did Odin go. And he looks a little bit like, like, a, like a Norse god with, with long flowing gold hair. And so I want to talk a little bit about Odin departing Pinside and, and why he left. Okay, so you know why he got fed up and deactivated? Because he was moderated. Let me tell you why he was moderated. Because he put up a post making fun of Thunderbird's pinball machine. And what he did was this. He made fun of the fact that there is a for sale thread for the new for for Mike's new Thunderbird's pinball machine in which the the guy selling the machine is basically crapping on it saying it's like it's kind of a piece of shit. I don't want it here. You can have it for 3200 bucks. No one has even purchased it for that. And so that thread is incredible. If you have a, if you want to get entertained, read that thread for an entire like hour or two, right? But there is actually a old Williams EM or solid state Thunderbirds game from years ago. So Odin was going to put up or put up a want it thread asking for the old Thunderbirds game. Basically, you know, a little bit of a trollish move saying he thinks the old Thunderbirds is actually a game he'd rather have versus the new one. It was a joke. It was funny. And he was moderated, and he was giving he was given a two day pinside ban, like all form ban for two days because of that post. And I think because of that, he got pissed off and he deactivated his account. Now, what does this say? I mean, look, on some level, if you post forty four thousand times on a forum, you're addicted to the forum. And, and we know Odin posts all the time. He injects a lot of humor. He's not everyone's cup of tea. But there's a balance that these moderators need to figure out on Pinside because as some people have pointed out, there are only about 50 to 100 users on that site that actually are on there all the time. Or there's, but what I mean by this are people that actually post. The people that post keep the threads going going. They keep the momentum of the conversation going. And he's one of those people always in there with like a jab or like a, you know, a sarcastic remark. And, but his commentary on stuff is, you know, is some of the reason why people go there because they want to see what personalities like him say, right? You know, even Hilton for all of his trollish idiocracy, he's in there. Like he's keeping the Beatles thread going. The guy is never going to buy a Beatles. And yet every time I go back to Pinside, there's four more pages that are all about him talking about what he wants to talk about with the Beatles. And that's why that forum, uh, you know, has a lot of conversation going, but it's, 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 it's a lot of conversation that is 
going on by a small group of people. And that's why you can't use pin side as an indicator for very much, right? Very much. Although, look, I do think that pin side does represent the diehard enthusiast side of this hobby very well. And I think you will get a lot of very good feedback on games. And if I was a manufacturer, I, I, would, I would not want to ignore the conversation that goes on there. Now, I think with Odin, the case is very simple. He's obviously very addicted to pinball. He loves pinball. He's probably addicted to pin side because, you know, it's, it's where he gets a lot of attention. And, and if you love pinball, there aren't many places to go and hang out with other dudes that love it as much as you do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, I think he emotionally reacted to being moderated. And the moderation team at Pinside really continues to be just completely piss poor. Like it, w it was the moderators that pulled down the pinball podcast thread because they were sick of me. It was the moderators that gave him a, a, you know, a ban like this. And it's weird to me because it's like you got to look at stuff in context. You know, Mike from Home Pin has dug his own grave. He, that guy deserves no slack. Like in my mind, you can't even possibly troll Thunderbirds. You know who's troll Thunderbirds the most? It's Mike from Homepin. It's the game's creator. So in my mind, like people making fun of Thunderbirds, uh, you know, let, let it go. Like cut them some slack. Like who cares? Like Thunderbirds has already been sort of labeled as a bad game uh, by a guy who's a loose cannon, by a company that people aren't expecting to be around much longer. In my mind, Thunderbirds is like fair game for anyone to sort of make fun of because of, of just how they've operated as a company and how Mike has operated as a leader of that company. You know, does he deserve like respect? He doesn't care. He doesn't even care. Like if you talk shit about his game, he doesn't care. He's going to talk shit back, right? All right. He's not even on there anymore. Mike's, Mike's departed Pinside as well. So I don't think he should have been moderated for that post. I also don't think he should have uh, deactivated his account because here's the thing too. Let's say you get moderated and let's say you're pissed off at, at the moderators and, and you, you want to send a message. Well, can't you just like not go on to Pinside for a few days? You, you could do that. But the act of deactivating your account, now that is meant to send the Pinside moderators a message. Like you're really trying to get back at them. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the community upset by your departure so that they will go to the moderators and complain about your absence. Like that is, that, that is the move there. You know, it's like, imagine if you're in a classroom, 20 kids are all together and there's a class clown that everyone loves. And the, and the, and the class clown is like, I'm leaving the classroom. I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back until I get an apology from the teacher. And you guys can have, you know, you can have the class to yourselves. I'm sorry about the siren here, guys. New York City in the morning. All right. It happens. So that's what he's doing. He's doing this as almost like a political message to the pin side moderators. Will it work? No, they're not going to change. These little like desires to get them to think differently about how they moderate the site. It's never going to change. Pinside will be the way it is. Uh, I think Odin will be back because ultimately Pinside will win because these people need Pinside more than Pinside needs them. All right, let me repeat that. All of you hyper users, you need Pinside more than Pinside needs you. And if Pinside went away, all the hyper guys, the levies, the Icemans, the Odins, the Hiltons. Think about how, how hard it would be for those gentlemen to fill their day if they lost that site. I mean, it, it, it would be like losing a limb if those gentlemen lost Pinside. And they know it. 
They 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 need it. They enjoy it more than I than I'm just gonna say this. I think some of, some of the hyper users enjoy Pinside more than they enjoy engaging in like the real world. They would rather be on Pinside than be at a party, having small talk with people. Instead of instead of meeting new people and new experiences, they'd rather just go to that comfort zone, and it is a comfort zone. And that's part of why I love being in Ireland because no one cares about pinball over there. Like literally you get into like actual conversations about your life. You can actually measure, is my life interesting if I remove pinball from it? And I think that's why we saw people like, people are like, well, where's Beezleboob? Remember Bezelboob? Beezleboob? Where is he? He's still lurking. He just posted in, in a Radcal thread. He's still on there. He's still reading every day. He just won't engage because you know what? He engaged so much that it took over his life. And that's part of like what we cover on this show, right? We cover some of that drama that happens on Pinside and we will always do that. But look, Odin's gonna be back. What else is going on in pinball? Anything I'm missing? I'm just trying to see here. Um, Willy Wonka will be next for Jersey Jack Pinball. We've confirmed that. It's gonna be a Pat Lawler game. I hear, I don't know, whether it's standard body or wide body is up in the air. Uh, that's pretty much the pinball news that's happening so far this week. I think we're all waiting for Munsters patiently. Uh, we'll see how that game sells when it comes out. All right. Now, something I want to bring up real quick is I said in my last podcast that there are going to be changes to the show. And one of the changes I said was that I was no longer going to do my Canada's Master episodes. And I, and I saw some people right in on Pinside that they did not want to see the master go away. And now look, I'm honest with all of you out there when I say that the master episodes are not things that come from me. I, I have someone out there that I consider to be my master and he writes very long, very strident, very thoughtful emails to me. And when he saw that, he wrote me another email that would be the perfect master episode what I want to know from you out there, the listener, do you like or dislike the Canada Master episodes? Will you email me at canadapinball at gmail.com and let me know if you want to hear the master return? Now, what I was going to try and do was get a different voice from my master so it's not so slow, um, whether it was more of like a Darth Vader voice or a Yoda voice, but that would kind of get annoying real fast. So let me know. And I'm actually going to let you, the listener, decide on whether or not I air a new master episode based upon the emails I get. So if you hate the master, but then don't email me, then you have nobody to blame but yourself if the master returns, all right? All right. But other than that, I just want to clarify, this show is not changing very much. I'm not going to ask for your money. You know where to donate. But other than that, this show is going to stay the way it's always been. Uh, we got here for because we, we, we have a certain approach. We're, why would we change a lot of what we do on this show? So don't worry. Your holiday wish will come true. You are still going to get your unfiltered pinball podcast from Canada on a weekly basis. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the holidays. I love this time of year. It is the most wonderful time of year. Someone should write a song with those lyrics in it. Everyone have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.